Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. And if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast. And we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at patreon.com slash I Love That Movie. Um, and if you join us on there, you get a weekly bonus episode of everything else I'm watching. Um, you know, movies, shows, etc. And I'd like to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Belga, Jeff Whitman, Philip Barker, Michael Cross, and Josh Johnson. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Well, I've got a returning guest on the show. I've got Nick Ward. Say hi, Nick. Hello. And if you hear tapping in the background, those are our dogs. The we're, pugs are also here. We're trying to keep them quiet, but it's it's very challenging, if we're honest. The, the more you try to keep them quiet, the louder they are. Yeah. <laughs> they're tab dancing. Yeah, they're literally, they're excited too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Nick, uh, in case people haven't heard you on the show before, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Well, I'm Nick. Uh, I'm married to Lisa. Yep. And I live, I'm always here when she's podcasting, and I've been roped into another episode. So we're doing something a little bit different today. Usually I have a guest on, the guest picks a movie, and then we talk about that movie. I'm the guest. Today, I'm the guest. <laughs> I didn't get to choose anything. Yeah, you don't, you don't get to choose. Um, no, but today I'm going to choose a movie. People always go, why don't you choose one? Okay, well, here I go. Um, instead of a movie, we're doing a small, like, uh, selection of shorts, and we're really only covering the first short out of the three. Um, so without further ado, uh, this is something I've talked about a lot on the show and on other podcasts. It's something I really enjoy, and it's called uh, Magnetic Rose, which is one part of a collection called Memories. Uh, this was made in 1995. Um, it's an anthology science fiction animated film by, uh, Katsuhiro Otomo. Yep, that's right. The Akira guy. And, uh, he was an executive producer and based, this is kind of based on three manga short stories. The first short is the one we're going to talk about called Magnetic Rose or, uh, Kanojo no Omoide. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, this is directed by, uh... Koji Morimoto and Koji Morimoto um, is a Japanese anime director some of his works include being an animator on Akira Uh, he did some shorts in Robot Carnival and the Animatrix and he did the key animation in Kiki's Delivery Service, City Hunter Fist of the North Star 
you get it. He was a big deal. Uh, he's the co-founder of Studio 4C. Um, so that's the director. And then this short story was written by Satoshi Kon. And I really feel like, I mean, you guys know I'm a huge fan of his. We've talked about Perfect Blue on here. I would like to talk about his other movies as well, if anybody ever wants to pick those. But this is a short that I think is the first thing of his I ever saw. Like I said, he didn't direct this. He just wrote it. Um, but his presence is very felt in it. And I don't know, this just like, it's a very small, I think it's like 20 minutes. Um, there's other shorts in this anthology too, but I don't, they just don't hold a candle to the first one. So we're going to talk mainly about the first one. Um, so yeah, that's my little introduction. Also, I don't have like a bunch of quick facts like I normally do. This is just going to be a quick one. In Magnetic Rose, the opera singer's lover is named Carlo uh, Rambaldi. This is most likely, so this is a guess, a tribute to special effects creator Carlo Rambaldi, who has contributed to effects in Alien and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, among others. So That I didn't know, and you can definitely see the Alien influence in this film. Yeah, so let's kind of talk a little bit about it, our experience with it. When was the first time you saw it? I want to say it was not the same time, but the same way. I originally saw it was a just a fan-made music video to like the like house trance uh, remix of the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, that's how I saw it. Too. And it's actually a really good um, fan-made video. So for some of you that are a little younger, we're older anime fans. And when we used to go to anime conventions, let me just say they were a little scarce. Um, this was way before like Crunchyroll, before Toonami, like before a lot of, there was a lot of presence of like anime in American pop culture. So almost everything we saw was exclusively like, I'm just going to say it, illegal like subs. It was all subs. Boot, bootleg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all bootleg. Everything, even the dealer room was bootleg until- Yeah, because you couldn't get this stuff- easily back in the day yeah especially think, not every title i think it's even pre like funimation is when we i mean we were like a lot younger and yeah um one thing that they did a lot and they don't really do this anymore but i guess the closest thing would be like when people put animation to songs on like tiktok well when we were younger people used to have like full-on competitions where they would edit uh they called them a and v's or anime music videos they would animate music videos um, or not animate, they would cut, they would edit um, anime to music videos. Yeah, they're like super cuts of a show or a movie. Yeah. Like best parts, and they would usually kind of go with the song they were using. Mm-hmm. And remember, like, music videos were a big deal back then. No. So, like, this was more popular back then. And so the way Nick and I saw it is we probably saw a contest where someone, like you said, took that song, put it to the short, and it was like, I remember seeing it and thinking, I have to figure out what I that is. I mean, it was is. like professional level. It was really yeah. good. Yeah. And so, like, I searched for it. I can't remember. I, I'm i pretty sure the cut that I have is a legal copy of it or that I had. I now have it on DVD, but I think this was pre-DVD. I, I think it might have been a VHS tape. But I got it. Um, I remember the first time I ever saw it. Um, I was at my friend Kara's house, and we were watching it. And she happened to have that year this German exchange student that lived with her who was, like, kind of miserable at her house because her family was so conservative they like didn't really do anything so he came to america i think thinking he was gonna party he's gonna have some crazy wild fun american trip yeah and like that didn't happen at all 
Um, but one, and he, you know, spoke German. I, he spoke a little bit of English, but not a ton, I remember. Like, he, we could communicate a little bit, but I think he struggled a little bit. So anyways, we were watching this without him. We didn't even tell him, like, hey, want to watch this. I mean, that's how, like, disconnected Rude. he was. No, not on our <laughs> part. We tried. We were, First of all, we were much younger than him. But the other thing was he was just miserable there. <laughs> so he doesn't hang out with us. We watch this. And then at the end, over our shoulder, we hear him go, oh, that was good. <laughs> so he, like, again, I don't know if he pretended not to understand us. I mean, we were, like, dumb kids, and he was in high school. And I feel like we were a little bit younger, maybe 14 or something like that. He had zero interest in us. But anyway, um, it was really good. I remember being really impressed with it. It, like, exceeded my expectations of what the, you know, music video showed, even though that was done really well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I guess we could talk a little bit about some of our favorite scenes. It's pretty short, so. It's short, like you said earlier. It's about 20 minutes. Yeah, you can find it on Tubi right now. We actually just rewatched it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess the gist of it is just that uh, there's a distress call in space, and this the spaceship that has like kind of a hodgepodge group of people that yeah, they're collect like, they're junk. Sc- right? They're scrappers. Yeah. They collect junk, or uh, if if they don't collect anything valuable, I think they like have to destroy it for like they're just getting rid of trash in space essentially. Yeah. And so they get this SOS call, and they go to it, and spookiness ensues. And it reminds me a little bit, like, especially when you get the big reveal at the end, it kind of reminds me of this one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Gosh, this is so geeky. Um, But it's that one that got overplayed all the time, the Casino Royale episode, or, like, the Hotel Royale, or whatever it was called. It was, like, the kind of a James Bondy episode, right? And, like, the very end, you find out that, like... um, these aliens were created this like fake holodeck type situation and were like keeping this guy there. Well, they couldn't bring him back home, I think. And so they created this fake world for him. And then he just ended up living there so long he died. This is kind of, kind of reminds me of that a little bit. It's got some undertones, I think, that are similar, especially the visual of when you see. Yeah, because there's a the lot of. Um, at the very end. Yeah, there's a lot of um, holograms in mm-hmm. it. Because uh, apparently this. I guess it's a ship. More, it's more like a. It's almost like, it's like a, a house, a space like a floating station house. Kind of, yeah. yeah, space station. So like. But in, it's been there a really long time. Yeah, they don't say how long. Yeah. Um. They. Uh, at they least, do. I feel like maybe like at least a hundred years or something. I think. Oh man, we just watched it by can't. I think it's the year, two thousand ninety-seven. Yeah, so it's the future for us, but it's like. They hint in the past for the characters in the movie that the uh, the opera singer in it is from 2005, mm. and that um, she pretty much, I guess she has a bunch of a, like a, a trophy room, and one of the trophies was from 2030 something, oh. so it's still like 60 plus years after, I guess her latest. Win, thing or whatever, yeah. yeah. But the crew gets there and, you know, they don't... At first they don't, like, see anything, right? They just see the remnants of, like, a fancy place somebody lived, but they're not finding any people, but they keep getting the signal over and over that they're kind of searching for. Yeah, they, they go into what looks like wreckage, and then 
the two the two main characters uh Heinz and Miguel Miguel yeah. they go down this elevator and that when it opens up it's like an old mansion not a spaceship at all yeah it's really so they're... weird they're like what the hell but it looks really spooky, and I mean, I think that's what really drew, drew me to this a lot, is it kind of combined two things I like, which is like this kind of supernatural horror feeling, yeah, but with sci-fi. And then the more it goes on, the more it's actually just sci-fi. It yeah. very much reminds me of like a Black Mirror episode, which makes a lot of sense because Satoshi Kon later did Paranoia Agent, which every episode of that is like Black Mirror. Yeah, and <laughs> or it, like it the kind of gets Zone. tied together towards the end. Yeah. But yeah, so they go in this house and, um, you know, they're getting, they're, they're stumbling upon things like uh, she's got this big spread or the person that lived there had this big spread. But then when uh, Miguel goes to drink it, Yeah, he it's takes a drink of wine gone. and it's like old and spoiled. and Yeah. I think Heinz tries to turn a sink on. It's just like sludge comes out of it. And the sludge kind of looks like blood at times. Yeah. Um, but then there's also all these photos everywhere of this like really beautiful woman yeah um and you find out that she was like an opera singer like you kind of alluded to earlier and um it, it again that kind of reminds me also of like this the part in a horror movie where you're like looking at the microfish or something like yeah. the guys back on the ship are kind of telling the guys there like what's going on and they look up this woman and they're like oh she was like this big star but then she lost her voice and her um, husband died mysteriously. Yeah, her husband and that's mysteriously when she disappeared. Dies. Yeah, she disappears from the limelight. She felt like the whole world had turned on her before that, and then her husband died. And then she goes to live with her memories, which is where, you know, the title of the anthology series comes from. Um, and so they're like, oh, okay. Um, Miguel starts seeing this woman well he he's kind of taken by her and he seems like a little bit of a playboy right like you kind of yeah. get that he's a ladies man or something i thought a really cool um scene in it was which was kind of a little scary but also like as you find out later that the 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 computer is essentially trying to draw people in yeah and like her her memory is the computer but it's corrupted but a really cool scene was he was looking at all these pictures of her like you were saying a while ago and in one of the pictures, it's uh, Carlo with her. Yeah. And Miguel's always like, he's kind of like, oh, what a jerk. Yeah, he's like, he doesn't deserve her and, and stuff like that. So I, f I forget exactly how it goes, but he does something else. Um, he, he looks around, and then the next time he walks by that picture, he is in the picture. Yeah. It's like the, the, the computer is changing the holograms to kind of get what it wants. Mm -hmm. by tricking them yeah and it takes a really long time for you to figure out like what it is that this presence on the ship or house or whatever you want to call it wants yeah it's i mean for being 20 minutes it's pretty fast paced but it is still drawn out really well yeah and then the other main character heinz is like this um german family man in the beginning i think he we see a picture of his family Yeah, he's got a picture in his wallet and the more that he's on the ship the more he starts to see something too, he starts to see almost like ghosts. He sees his, he sees like the first indication is he sees this creepy 
doll that's like a little music box. Yeah. And it's also alluding to what's going on, really. Yeah. But um, the doll like is twirling around and falls off of a shelf and he goes to catch it. And it, it, it seems breaks. really traumatic to him. And at first we're like, why is that so disturbing? Um, and like I said, I, there's a couple different levels to that doll, which I think, again, just the brilliance of what, in my opinion, it's so good Satoshi what they Kong pack into just 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, then later he starts to see like a more elaborate um, hallucination of his, of his, uh, his house, his house, his wife, his kid. And we learn like a little dining, bit more like, about their him. dining room, like mm-hmm. a, a birthday gift he gave her because he gave her like this little, uh, uh, astronaut costume because yeah. he was i mean i guess in this sci-fi world he, he's kind of an astronaut but more of like a scrapper yeah like he goes to space a lot it's kind of yeah. like having a dad that's always traveling yeah like a kind of like a, a truck driver yeah i would yeah i think it would like be that. closer he's to probably that. gone for a, a while at a time and you know his kid and his mom miss him and uh, or in his wife, not his mom, miss him. And like, you know, his you can mom tell might miss him that too. He, we're learning a little bit more about him. But again, it feels like the more we get to know the ship and what's going on, it seems like this woman, you know, she hold herself up away in the ship and it, it had technology to where it could create all these holograms. Like mm-hmm. you said, basically whatever she wanted, what she was feeling, thinking and hoping for. And it starts to do that to Miguel and to um, Hines with Miguel, it it sort it sort of pulls him into the fantasy yeah, because kinda, he's it, kind of a romantic too. I feel like where he's into this like romance. You know, he, he it keeps kinda, saying it figures out what how to trick you. Yeah, how to pull you in to give you what you want. That's you know, why Miguel it's giving wants... them both different visions, and uh, the hologram changes depending on who it's trying to lure in. Yeah, it knows that Miguel just wants this pretty lady. Yeah, that's um, an easy one. Uh, but Heinz, it's like his family mm-hmm. and that there's something that he misses about it. And um, there's a ton of really amazing scenes, even though it's only 20 minutes. But suffice to say, we find out that um, Heinz actually lost his daughter. She fell off of a roof mm-hmm. and died. And so the you know, presence picks up on this and tries to give her his daughter back, which I think was like, again, just like a really cool thing that played in. Now that little twirling doll that fell, it reminds us of the ship because there's certain times when we see like under the facade of these um, holograms, sometimes it's like literally just a robot. It's a robot or, or like sometimes actually a corpse. Yeah. That it's kind of projecting a, a living person over. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, we find out through uh, Miguel's interactions with this woman. And in Heinz, too, there's a part where the robot, like, tries to kill him with a fake yeah. knife. And we find out, okay, she killed her husband. I mean, we were all yeah. thinking it, right? Because um, it just seemed to be where this was going. <laughs> but she killed him. And I think she, her emotions, I guess, like, the presence, I guess, fed off of that and yeah. i think even when she's gone it just keeps replaying this desire to like not be alone and to pull people into this fantasy and maybe the machine needs people to feed off of in their consciousness or something because it it, it that's what it did it sent out an sos pulled people in yeah and then pulls them into this like dark and that's that's you know, a world. really cool thing about this is we don't get all the answers like you don't really know why it's doing it or even how but it just this is what's happening in the story yeah it's done really well 
I think the way I interpret it personally is that she created these holograms and then when she died, it just kept going. But because she was kind of an evil person, she killed her husband. Yeah. It keeps playing that dark fantasy out because she's like in, in a lot of ways, the original programmer because yeah. it is designed after her imagination and her imagination was screwed up <laughs> so it continues to be screwed up is how i kind of think of it now the hows and whys of how it creates stuff out of nothing i don't know it's really neat looking that's about yeah the, 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 like say. you said the visuals are great and it's i mean i personally think 95 mid 90s is like peak anime aesthetics yeah 1995 when this came out it's another good point but um Heinz kind of snaps out of it. There's a part where, again, the machine is kind of trying to give him what he wants. We're like, look, Emily could be alive again and not dead like she is in he was, real life. He was a lot harder to trick than mm-hmm. Miguel. But oh, yeah, he's a little brighter. Yeah, there was, <laughs> I think that's why the machine pulled out, or the computer or whatever, pulled out all the stops. And it was like, you could have your daughter back. And it almost had him. Yeah, and then he kind of really thinks about it. Um, and he's like, you know, she's got to oh. have to live. He he says memories aren't real. That that's and I what it that is. That was a cool tagline um, too. Uh, the the scene where we find out his daughter fell off a roof, it pretty much materializes a house, mm-hmm. and he's on the roof, and his wallet falls out, and this is the yeah. wallet we've seen earlier. And so right before he's about to give in, uh, he finds his wallet and sees the real picture in there yeah that's what snaps him out of it i think it makes him feel like you know getting lost in this memory and wishing she was alive it doesn't change the fact that he lost her and it's also kind of disrespectful to the real daughter that he lost you know it's like her her life meant something to him so he doesn't want to live in just a fantasy and he says that he's like these are memories they're not real you can't you know he he rejects what the original person did the the opera singer did he's like i don't want to live in like a fantasy i want to live in reality um so he tries to bust out now this is where we learn and this is where the name magnetic rose comes from it's there's some magnetic field it's emitting and it's pulling things in and, yeah. and shutting equipment down right yeah it's like, like uh it's already uh they're on this really large ship and they have like these little pots that they can go in from place to place and it's already destroyed their pot so they're not getting off yeah. And it's starting to pull their ship and the other their other two crewmates are still on the ship and it's destroying the computers, it's pulling mm-hmm. the ship apart. There's a time where the people on the ship are like, Oh, don't worry, like we'll get you out of there and then it becomes yeah. rapidly like he because he goes after Miguel, honestly, he could have gotten off there if he hadn't gone after Miguel. But, but Heinz he felt, is a good guy. Yeah, he goes after Miguel. Miguel can't tell that it's not real. He's totally won in by this. But yeah, eventually, um, the ship that they were on like the crew blasts it to try to get away but i don't even know if they actually get to get away i think they end no, up, it, it, the, it it destroys their ship in. the uh the corona yeah it sucks everything in and there's these really cool visuals of like the opera singer and like the sphere yeah. singing while this stuff is happening it looks so neat and then in the end it's just like hans floating in space and he sees another little i guess hologram of like those rose petals in his helmet that he blows on and they yeah. move around but it's kind of yeah. like you don't know is it a hologram still or are they actually in there yeah it's like but that's pretty much it we kind of covered all of it but yeah i mean for like we said for being a 20 minute short there's so much in it i mean yeah 
And I would look up the music video too because the music video is pretty cool. I'll kind of It's like I said earlier, it's like feels like a professional, like legit music video. Yeah, and I and and like this this short I feel like could be a whole movie. But I love the length oh, yeah. of it though. Yeah, they so could like definitely stretch it out, but I think that might take something away from it. Yeah. I think that the fact that it's so mysterious, like you said, that things aren't explained. Yeah, if they made it longer they would do a lot of extra explanation and stuff and that's i know a lot of people want everything to be explained but i'm fine with there being unanswered questions as long as the story's good yeah sometimes ambiguity is better i think especially with horror yeah you know once you know everything it's not scary anymore exactly like the leave something to be desired something mysterious you know we don't learn a whole lot about this woman or her world or or even how the ship or or i keep saying space station but it's not really space it's just it's like this fake small planet kind of. Yeah. They say it's like asteroid sized. Yeah, and we see her corpse like at one point. At the very end, yeah. At the very end, she's like holding a rose. And that's where I said that kind of reminded me of that Star Trek episode. Because at the end, yeah. you see him like rotting, you know, or turning to dust in his bed. And I just think it's cool the way they're able to blend those two aesthetics of like... Um, of horror with sci-fi and i think again we keep saying it it seems very influenced by alien which very much did the exact same thing it was both you know dark suspenseful horror but it was also science fiction and i feel like this was like oh what if we did that but like a haunted house you know and i yeah. think well, it's really of, cool looking some of the horror aspects there was a, like it was, there's so many good scenes that but are they're so quick there's even some where there's like a big ballroom mm-hmm. and you see people, but then there's a split sc- uh, second where there's a scene where they're like just corpses everywhere. And that kind of reminds me of like The Shining. Yeah. You know, like they put. That's right. I forgot about other that like horror elements in there mm-hmm. only for like a few seconds. And I like the idea of like it at the very end, there isn't really anything supernatural actually happening. It is just like this evil computer like there's a part where heinz is like this it's the computer the computer's gone nuts yeah but you're kind of like i mean is the computer evil i mean how could it be evil right like i again i feel like what's evil was probably that original woman's that's just how it was designed yeah it designed it was designed after her desires and her desires were bad and so I, do, I just, I don't know. I really like all of that. So I would definitely recommend watching it. Like you said, you can watch it for free on Tubi. 20 minutes, easy watch. Yeah. And this was a short episode. I mean, that's pretty much all we have to say. You guys know that I was a huge fan of the, um, well, of Akira and also of, um, uh, so of Atobe's work. Satoshi Kon. Satoshi Kon as well. And, you know, rest in peace, gone way too soon. Um so yeah i hope you guys check it out and i'm always on this mission for the rest of my life to get people to watch this because i think it's so great um nick thank you for coming on and watching and talking about it with me sure it was fun it was fun um i feel like we watch this like every year or two anyways yeah we watch it a lot um so nick where can people find you uh pretty much my handle can be found at any of the social medias wardco props and some iteration of that um yeah yeah and uh you have a really cool chainsaw man costume you're working on right now i do it's it's mostly done i'm i'm just putting more blood and guts on it and it's uh it's it's kind of fun to make something look all beat up and gory that's really just a bunch of foam 
yeah y'all should go check that out it's really cool well thanks again nick and uh hope to have you back soon oh i will be Thank you.